0: So today we're going to be in the, the, the Gospel of John, chapter 13. As we'll, we'll take a pause in the book of Jeremiah. And you know, we're getting ready for Good Friday. We're getting ready for our Easter service. And today I want to go over a study with you called The Purpose of Christ. And one of the things that you'll see in the study is that the purpose of Christ, I think we all know what the purpose of Christ is, right? I mean, as far as Him coming... What was the purpose? It was for him to die for us. And so we're going to talk about that. But we'll also talk about that, you know, when we see that in John, uh, we're going to see how it's connected with our own purpose. And it's so cool. As we're getting ready to go to, you know, Good Friday, where Jesus died for us on the cross, and then Easter Sunday where he rose from the grave, it's kind of a special week. You know, one of the things I was thinking of is, Lord, to be holy is to be like Jesus. Are, are you interested in being like Jesus? And anyone here saying that's I'm interested in that. I'm consumed with that. I mean, to be holy is not to be some legalistic Pharisee, self righteous, looking down on people, all religious. No, to be holy is to be like Jesus. And um, this is what they call Holy Week. You guys have heard that, right? The Passion Week or Holy Week. Well, why do they call it Holy Week? Well, part of it is, yeah, because of what happened that week back in, you know, Jesus' day. But I would even say this, you guys, that this is a week that God wants to do something holy in us. You know, my prayer is that after holy week, that I would be more like Jesus. And so we don't, we don't do this in vain. We're not just going through the motions. We're not just showing up. on, a, on a, yeah, my, I commend you coming on a Wednesday night. Praise God. Praise God for that, you know, and then Friday and then Sunday and what's happening in between. My prayer, Lord, is that you would work in us. And so tonight is kind of like the the purpose of Christ and and we're going to work our way there. But um, as we're looking at this week, I want to share with you three things that kind of stand out to me. I don't know if you guys have been reading through the, the scriptures as far as what happened that week. Uh, there's a lot of really cool things. Um but you know, between, you know, Sunday, the Palm Sunday, Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, between that day all the way through um the the Resurrection Sunday, a lot took place. And in one sense, I don't know how it would be for you, but let's just say you're a leader. You're a leader who wants to change the world. You're you're a leader who wants to finish right and well and glorious, Jesus has one more week, and and so what's going to happen? If you only had one week left to live, how would you pour into your followers? What would happen that week? That's kind of what we see during this time. And, And so here in John chapter 13, you guys probably know John 13 through 17 is the what happened really that last Thursday, Monday Thursday? You guys have heard that? Have you ever heard of that? They call a Thursday which is tomorrow Monday Thursday. Have you guys heard of that? Do you know what Monday means? It's from the Latin word where we get our word mandate. Mandate. So they called that last Thursday before Good Friday. That last Thursday, you know, Monday Thursday, mandate Thursday was a command. There was a command given on that day. That gives this Thursday its title. And do you guys know what the command that was given? That that one command that stands out in, in crazy fashion. When you guys know what that command is, I bet you do. John chapter 13 is Jesus is washing feet and Jesus is, you know, he has had the, 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 the last supper with them and all this stuff here in, in John chapter 13. Look what we read here in, in verse 34. Jesus says a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you so that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now, you might think that's an old commandment. The Bible says in the Old Testament, we're supposed to love our neighbor as ourself. I mean, everybody kind of knows that you're supposed to love people, right? I mean, if you're a believer in the Lord, creator of the universe, the God of love, of course, you love people. But the reason why this is a new commandment is because he says, I-, I want you to love one another, Jesus says, as I have loved you. As I have loved you. Now, now that changes everything. You know, it makes me examine my life. I mean, do I love people the way that Jesus loved me? Are there people in my life that I don't love? Well, if if that's the case, and John talks about it a lot. He's the, the, the apostle of love. I need to tell you this. You might not be saved. I don't care how much you go to church i don't care what you do at church it doesn't matter if there are people that you don't love then then you might not be saved he says right here a new commandment i I give to you that you love one another as i have loved you so that you also love one another by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have that love for one another you know, you all will know that that we're Christians. All will know that we're disciples of Jesus Christ because of the way that we have this unconditional love. And it's a love to the point we're talking about suffering and sacrificing. You know, we're talking about him loving people who spit in his face. We're talking about him loving people who nailed him to a cross. You're like, well, I don't really love them, God, because you not know what they did to me. Well, that's not the, then, then. That's not the love of Jesus. That's a, that's your love. That's a worldly love. As we're getting ready to go to Good Friday, and we're getting ready to Easter Sunday, and Jesus is kind of like, basically, he's telling us like, this is big stuff. These are like the last words. I really need you to know these things, guys. Um, you have to love one another as I have loved you. And as we go through life, um, really, you know, sometimes you'll talk to Christians, it's kind of funny, and they'll think, well, I know that they're Christians because they speak in tongues. There are some people who have that false belief, and that's not true. Or I know they're Christians because they always go to church, always go to church. That You guys know, do you guys know that that doesn't prove you're a Christian? Do you guys know that? Hey, they're Christians because they got the t-shirt. You guys know that doesn't prove you're a Christian, right? They're Christians because they went forward on the altar call. No, no, that doesn't prove you're a Christian. Well, they're Christians because they said the sinner's prayer, and that doesn't prove you're a Christian. Right before Jesus is about to die, he Maundy Thursday, where he gives the commandment, He says, love one another as I have loved you. And friends, friends, because of the fact that I know that one day we will stand before Jesus Christ. If there is anyone in your life that you don't love. My prayer is that tonight the Holy Spirit will make this clear to you. You might not be a Christian. Look at how Jesus treated us. Look at how he loved us. Look at how he died for us who were so wicked to him. As we're getting ready to go towards that day, there's three things that I want to share. Like I said, there's a a million things that we could talk about. And I'm kind of working backwards, actually. So I know Friday, Monday, Thursday... And then if you come back, one of the things that you guys will see and, you know, like, you know, the harmony of the Gospels and what happened in those different days, you're going to have different views on that. I base my chronology of that week on a a masterful work by this guy named A.T. Robertson. It's called The Harmony of the Gospels. And so, you know, but he's not, you know, sometimes scholars even differ on when things happen. But here's the the Thursday uh, where we had that great commandment. Monday, thursday right love one another as i have loved you so my, i pray that we would know that that we would examine our life in that that we would go out and live that god will show you how to love people because sometimes you're like well how do i love them well this is how i love them and i'll stiff on them that's my way of loving them okay maybe i don't know it's between you and the lord maybe that's your way of loving them all, all i'm saying though is check with the lord because maybe that's not what he wants you to do. Maybe it's more like Jesus who just came and and just loved on us and sacrificed and suffered so that he might save us. So so you have to we have to I have to examine my life. You got that Thursday. Now according to AT Robertson, Wednesday there was nothing going on, but some people believe there was stuff going on. Um it's up to you. So and then and then Tuesday was a very busy day. I want to take you to Mark chapter 11. And I just want you to kind of turn through your Bibles a, a little bit. Mark chapter eleven. You'll you'll notice it begins with the triumphal entry, which we talked about on Sunday, which is Palm Sunday, and then as you go through Mark chapter eleven, it's kind of interesting. Um, I'm just going to mention this that that. Um, on tuesday afternoon and you can read it in mark 13 and also on mark 11 mark 12 jesus had some like he duked it out with the the religious leaders so imagine you know it's tuesday before he's going to die and um he goes into the temple uh, grounds and it's kind of interesting because when you've been in israel You get to kind of visualize the southern steps. You get to visualize Solomon's court. You get to kind of see exactly where it is. And so Jesus is there. He's teaching. And then you've got these religious leaders that are coming against him. Hey, by what authority uh, are you doing this? By what authority are you teaching? You know, they're they're challenging him on on this. And then he's just saying, well, you know what? I'll tell you what. You ask me a question. Let me ask you a question. The baptism of John, was it from God or from men? And so the religious leaders were like, oh man, we don't know what to say because if we say it's from God, you know, then he's going to say, why didn't you listen? If we say from men, we fear the people because they all considered John a prophet. So they said, you know what? I played the fifth on that. I can't answer that. And so Jesus said, okay, you, you're, you're a coward and you won't answer, <laughs> Then I'm not even going to give you guys the answer that you're asking for. Because they, they knew the authority that had been given to him was from God. And then they questioned him. You guys remember they brought to him, uh, they said, hey, you know, we want to kind of mix him up in a question. Um, Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Now, again, this is like, man, this is a loaded question. You know, because all the Jews, they hated the Romans. They didn't want to pay taxes. It would be like someone coming into the United States of America. And, you know, I hate to use Uh, any single nation but no i shouldn't so whatever some foreign nation comes in here and they start ruling over us you are like wait a minute time out this is the united states of america we are free people this is our land whatever they would say god gave us this land we hate the romans for them the christ was all about political freedom and so it's kind of an interesting question they're trying to tie him up get him in, in trouble with the romans but remember, Jesus—he just set him straight. He said, "Show me a denarius whose image is on it, uh, Caesar." Okay, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and render to God the things that are God's. I mean, it's just crazy as you go through the whole thing right here. I mean, the the, the Pharisees asked Jesus about the greatest commandment. Different things are taking place in Mark. Basically, what I'm saying is this: basically, you know, his Tuesday before he's you know going to be uh, crucified, they're fighting. They're fighting. They're arguing. They're resisting. They're opposing him. He's going toe to toe, in one sense, with the, with the devil. And so, you know what happened on that Tuesday? It's interesting when you look at it. Um, the, the fig tree, which represented Israel in Mark chapter 11, 19 through 25, the fig tree was withered. Now, on Monday, he cursed the fig tree. But on Tuesday, they came down and then the whole thing is withered. Now you're like, what's the big deal about the withered fig tree? That meant that Israel had been rejected. Israel had been defeated. This nation that he loved, that he loved, was doomed, was doomed. Now, again, you know, just trying to, you know, get to know this whole thing, what's going on here, people go to heaven and people go to hell. It's true, you guys. There are the righteous and the unrighteous. There are those who accept Jesus and those who don't. There are those who are blessed and those who are cursed. Do we know that? Do we realize that this is, what, this is, this is the reality? This is why it's so important to make sure that our hearts are broken and submissive and and believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. This is why it's so important to go back to what we just talked about, that you love people. Because if you don't, you might not be among the blessed. You might be among the cursed. This is so important. So all I'm saying is that, to me, it breaks my heart that Jesus is there, and you you would figure this guy who is God in the flesh, who is love incarnate, who came on this mission, entered in from eternity into time. I mean, you guys know Christmas Day was born, but prior to that, he was conceived and uh, in, in the womb of Mary. He came, he spoke the greatest words ever spoken, did the greatest works ever done, just completely motivated by love. He did nothing but love people. And here are these religious people that are just opposing him tooth and nail and his arguments and fighting and all this is going on. And so as a result of that, the, those who had rejected reject him, the battle, I'll call them the anti-believers. I won't even call them unbelievers. I won't call them non-believers because that seems a little bit more nominal. No, these are anti-believers. They're anti-believers. And Jesus with the fig tree on Tuesday, it's not random that that's there, that it's withered away because the fig tree is representative of, of Israel. And so, the the thing that kind of stands out to me is that you have the anti believers, but then you also have not just the the battle with anti believers, but it's so cool what we see is is the blessing from a believer, a blessing from a believer, and 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 by that this is kind of one of the things that kind of stands out to me when when I think of what happened, you know. Um, when you look at the anointing at Bethany, look at Mark chapter 14, if you would, in verse 30. I'm sorry, sorry, verse three. So I, again, I, these are the things that just stand out to me. When you read through it, there might be different things that stand out to you. But to me, that the Maundy Thursday, that command, and then to me, is this that last week when he's the battle against the anti believers? There's a blessing with this beautiful woman, this beautiful believer. Look what it says in verse 3 of Mark 14. And being in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at the table, a woman came having an alabaster flask of very costly oil of spikenard. Then she broke the flask and poured it on his head. But there were some who were indignant among themselves. They said, why was this fragrant oil wasted? For it might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they criticized her sharply. And Jesus said, leave her alone, let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always and whenever you wish you may do them good but me you do not have always she has done what she could she has come beforehand notice this to anoint my body for burial Assuredly, i say to you wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her You know, I don't know. You know, Jesus was human. I know he was also God, but you know, all the arguing, going back and forth, uh, you know, doing you know this battle with the devil, man, all his lies and all the craziness, and who knows, you know, what was going on during the whole you know discourse and stuff with those people who were anti-believers. I, I, I when I, when this woman, when she anoints Jesus like this. To me, I'm like, man, I'll bet you that blessed him. That just blessed him. I'll, I'll, even though we might be here and thinking, well, Jesus didn't need any encouragement. i tell you what, everybody does. Everybody does. And and what this woman did, and, and really, Mary of Bethany, she was really the only one out of Everyone, none of the disciples knew really what was going down. She was really the only one. You know, they still thought, well, he's not going to die. They still thought, you know what, we're going to rise up and rule with Christ and he's going to defeat the Romans. Even the disciples thought that. And, and so for Mary to take this and anoint her Lord the way that she did in such a sacrificial way, it, it, it just, it must have encouraged him. Now, the interesting thing about this, some say it was on Tuesday, some say it was on Wednesday. Some even say it was earlier days. You kind of got to work it all out on your own. But but no matter what, this uh, ointment from India, from the root of this amazing plant, was so strong. It was worth, it says right there, 300 denarii. So 300 denarii. A denarii is what you would earn in a day's wages. So 300 denarii, if you count in weekends or whatever, we're talking almost like what an individual would earn, a, a working man, you know, maybe in a year. So I don't know how much you guys charge, you know, <laughs> per hour for a year. But nowadays, I know with inflation and stuff like that, I mean, it could be you know 40, 50, 60 thousand dollars. Let me ask you a question: What would you do? If you had ointment worth sixty thousand dollars, what would you do with that? You know, I know some of you here will be like, "Yeah, buy me a nice car or whatever, and you know whatever. I don't know what you know your your thoughts are, but all I know is that this this woman she loved Jesus so much and in one sense she gave it to him and not only that she um some say that she was maybe possessing it as perhaps uh, to be used towards her her dowry in other words to guarantee her marriage and so this woman right here is so in tune with the holy spirit so sensitive to him that you know when the holy spirit said mary i would like for you to take your sixty thousand dollar ointment and what yeah i know you might now be making a decision to stay single for the rest of your life. I want you to take that. I want you to give it to Jesus because he will be encouraged by your worship. And she did it. And she did it. And that stands out to me so much because as I as I, I, don't know for sure, but some people believe that this ointment, this perfume, whatever, remember she broke the flask and she poured it on him so it's all over his body. There, there's a possibility. Again, we don't know for sure, but some people will say that through the whole thing, through every scourging, every beating, every step of the way, all the way through Calvary, he could smell it. That's how strong... This was preparing his body for, for burial. You know, and what we're going to see as we go through our, our text that there's something about number one and number two and then number three that it's all, it's all connected. See, here's the thing, you guys. Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross, right? We know that. He's going to die for your sins, for my sins. Nothing like it. I mean nothing even beginning to even to be compared to it, that that God would take on our sins and the son would be separated from the father you know uh, nothing like it that you know our are we've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus and he rises again just to Tell us, I've gutted the grave, I've conquered the coffin, I've defeated death, right? And so we know that we have life as a result of that. So as he's working his way, though, towards this cross, you know what he's doing? He's not only telling them, I'm going to the cross. He's also saying, you need to go to the cross, too. That's what he's saying. Along the way, this is exactly what he's saying. I'm about to leave. I'm about to leave and, and go to that cross. But you need to know as my followers, he's telling these guys, that you, we must take up our cross too. And if that means loving your neighbor as as Christ has loved you, then do it. Oh, but it hurts. Yeah. Do you think the cross felt good? How did it feel for Jesus to experience what he did? Do you think being a loving Christian is going to feel good? No, it, it probably won't at times. But, you know, looking at this, God's saying, I'm going to the cross, and I don't want to take away from that. Please don't misunderstand me. But there's something about that final week that he, we're also called to do that as well. And, and Mary of Bethany. This is what she does in her worship of the Lord. And so we're working our way backwards Thursday, and then I don't know if it was Tuesday, some say even earlier. But the last one I want to take you to is in John chapter 12. These are the things that kind of stood out to me. because on sunday you know what we're going to study on sunday you guys it's going to be are you guys excited about easter yeah. you got to, you, i don't have any clothes so that's okay um it doesn't matter right um but anyways um man we're going to dress up and it's going to be glorious or something about easter sunday that just is inherently Wonderful and powerful, and just beautiful beyond any word. I, a lot of people I know it's their favorite day of the year. So Sunday is what we call um, the the power, and we're going to experience that. Um, Friday is the pardon. You know, we'll talk about that on Friday. But working up to this is the purpose. And that's what I was thinking. I'm like, hey Lord, your purpose and mine your purpose and mine because it's interesting what jesus teaches here in john chapter 12 look at verse 20 again you know we're still working our way towards that day In verse 20 now there were certain greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast then they came to philip who was from bethsaida of galilee and asked him saying sir we wish to see jesus Philip came and found Andrew, and in turn, Andrew and Philip told Jesus. And so Jesus answered them, saying in verse 23, The hour has come, that the Son of Man should be glorified. Now, it's interesting, you guys. I'm just going to tell you real quick, straight out. Glorified is, in one sense, synonymous with being crucified. I mean, he, he kind of uses them together. So the crucified, obviously, will lead to the resurrection. But he says the hour has come. They, they, hey, there's a couple of guys, Jesus, that want to see you. And, you know, of course, we know typically, usually, Jesus would accommodate them. But right now, it's crunch time. Right now, it's really a time to focus. And he just tells them, you know what? The hour has come that the Son of Man should Be glorified. Verse 24, most assuredly in the Greek language is just amen, amen. You know, it's a double emphasis. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. And so all of us here, we probably have seeds at home. You know, you have them in a bag and nothing happens to them. You can put them in the drawer and nothing happens to them but you put him in the ground, okay, it dies. So that seed, it can stay alone all over the place, man. But once it dies, then it's no longer alone. Then it bears fruit. And no doubt, Jesus is talking about himself, right? That he is going to die and he will bear fruit. There's no doubt about that. But look at the next verse. Verse 25. He who loves his life will lose it and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life if anyone serves me let him follow me and where i am there my servant will be also if anyone serves me him my father will honor I mean, there's no doubt Jesus is on the way. He's telling them, I'm going to die like a seed put in the ground. It's going to bear fruit, and it's going to be so amazing. And here we are 2,000 years later, and you guys who have been born again, I'm not talking about pretenders. I'm talking about people who are born again, and you know what life in Christ really means. You know exactly what happened. There's fruit now because of his death and resurrection, right? But it's interesting to me how he then goes on, and and, and then he kind of like, speaking to them if you love your life you're going to lose it but if you hate your life you're going to find it and you're like what are you talking about lord and and basically what he's simple thing in those days you got to understand the context of the culture the hyperbole that's mentioned in this sentence is just this not that you got to hate your life in in that sense there just has to be a priority and the priority is god and the priority is the kingdom of god and the priority is the life that God has called us to live. Now, what he's saying is your life, your plans, you have to hate that. In other words, there's even no comparison. There's no rival thrones to the life that God has for you. And that's all he's saying right here is the priority is God, is the kingdom of God, not your will, but 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 his will. And, and what he's saying right here is this, I'm going to die <laughs> and and i need to tell you guys before i leave that you have to die too now i stand before you today and to my shame i i'm way too alive i'll be the first to admit it you know I, I, there are areas of my life that need to die and god has been showing me you know how he shows me through my failures do my failures? Manny, hey, that part of you is still alive. You need to kill. You need to die for me. And maybe you're here tonight and, you know, we won't be perfect, you guys. We're, we're not going to be perfect until we go to heaven. But, you know, the, the things that the Holy Spirit starts showing you, hey, that needs to die or, or you know, whatever it is, I pray that we would respond that we would prioritize. I've been telling you guys this, and, I, and I, it breaks my heart to say it, but most of the church is carnal. Most of the church is, by far. If I had to guess, I'd say 90% is carnal. They got one foot in the church and one foot in the world. They're living for themselves. They have not taken up their cross to follow Christ. And my prayer is that, you know, God would just get a hold of us and that we would come to that place. Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's no longer me. And I keep telling you guys, it's not just less of me and more of him. It has to be none of me and all of him. Jesus said, verse 27, now my soul is, is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose, I came to this hour. Why was Jesus born? To die for us, right? I mean, ultimately, that's why he came, to die for us, to bear our sins, to suffer, be nailed to a cross, sacrifice, separated from the Father. That's why he came. That was his purpose. You know what? He's going through the struggle. Oh, man, my soul is troubled. And, you know, there's that humanity part of him just being honest, you know? And I don't know if he's talking to himself or talking to the disciples, what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. Oh, Lord, save me. I don't want this. No, he says, this is the reason that that I came. Now, now in all fairness, Jesus' purpose was two things. Um, it was what I would call a teaching and a reaching ministry. So in Luke 4, verse 43, he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, Because for this purpose, I have been sent. And so they wanted him to stay in one town. And Jesus said, no, I got to go to the other towns because that's the reason I've been sent. That's the purpose. And so uh, it's important for us to know this about Jesus, that he is our teacher with a capital T. As a matter of fact, so strong is this purpose in Jesus' life that he's the only one we should ever give that special title to. Who's your teacher? Jesus. He might use somebody and then, you know, them and all, you name it. He uses a lot of people and a lot of ways of teaching us. But he is our teacher. Matthew 23, 10. And do not be called teachers, Jesus said, for one is your teacher, the Christ. And so he is our teacher. And as we read the Bible, not just the red letters, all that we have in the word, he teaches us. The New Testament is apostolic, meaning it's linked to Jesus. So it's still him teaching us because he told them and then they tell us. It's Jesus who's teaching us, right? And when you look at the new covenant, it's the completion and fulfillment of the old. And so Jesus came to teach us. For example, in Hebrews 1, a really important verse, it says in chapter 1, verse 1, God who at various times and in various ways spoken time past to the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken to us by his son. So I do have to acknowledge the fact that purpose, when it comes to Jesus, purpose, teaching is definitely a huge part of it. As a matter of fact, later on in Hebrews 2, 1 through 3, it says if the word spoken through angels was, you know, heavy and you know carried a you know punishment if he didn't obey, how much more will it be for those of us who have heard the word of the Son? And not obeyed. And so it's interesting when you read that. So teacher, preacher, massive part of his purpose. But of course, we know that the ultimate purpose would be our salvation by his crucifixion and resurrection. And without that, no amount of instruction could ever save us. Right. So you guys understand that purpose of Jesus to teach us. But primary purpose was to die for us, right? So that's why he was born. Here's something kind of radical. Maybe you've never heard it before. That's why you were born. Not to redeem people. Don't get weird, okay? (laughs) I've heard some people say, oh, I need to suffer in order to purge them. Oh my gosh, get away from that. That's not how it works. No, no, but we were Born and then born again to take up our cross too. And so focus first on the Lord. Let's make sure we have that. But then let's follow the Lord. This is what he says right here. This was his reason. Hebrews 2.14, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death that is the devil. I like that. He's going to defeat the devil, destroy the devil. How by his cross and resurrection, and we're going to see his return. It's just so cool. But Hebrew says that he he took on a body. He came to us so that he would die. Philippians 2, kind of the same thing, but it's interesting again, how he says, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God or something to be grasped, but made himself of no reputation. That word means he emptied himself of his divine privileges, and never ceased to be God, but he emptied himself of those privileges, taking the form of a bondservant, coming in the likeness of men. There it is. He came and became a human being and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death. Of the cross and so it's not just any death, not just born to die, but born to die, the death of the cross, a sure torture the, invented by the Phoenicians to give the maximum amount of pain over the maximum amount of time, you know, perfected by the Romans. I mean it's crazy, a destination of separation. that was why he was born. You know he was he was he was glorified in this, and you want to know something real interesting since we're in John, just real quick, look at John chapter three and look at verse uh, fourteen. he says in John three: fourteen and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Now, now you know, you might look at that and, and you don't realize that he's talking about the cross, but he he is. It's taken from Numbers chapter 21 when the people were complaining about, about Moses and about God. And so these serpents came, they bit the people and they were dying. And so they said, oh, Moses, sorry, will you pray for us? You know, and the Lord told Moses, what I want you to do is I want you to, to, to take a, a rod and put a, a brass serpent on it. And then, you know, I want you to put it out there. And basically if anyone looks at it, then they will be healed. they will be saved from death. Interesting thing when you think about that. And so, um, I, I don't know, you're, you're wondering, well, what does that got to do with Jesus? and basically what we find is that Jesus was was also lifted up did you know that on the cross he would be 12 feet up that's you guys remember have you seen the Crucio, the the passion of the christ with Mac, mel gibson and they put the cross in that in that hole and he's way up there the historians tell us that the cross beam was 9 to 12 feet up in the air And what that picture is, is of Jesus being lifted up in order to die for us. And so when you look at this, man, our purpose, this was his purpose to be lifted up, to be glorified, to be crucified. That was his destiny. And so I thank God that that he died for us. You guys glad he died for you? Are you guys glad? Because, you know, man... You guys, I I don't know all of you. Some of you I know, and I know the sins. Oh, Lord, forgive them, Lord. (laughs) You know, and some of you I don't know. I'm thinking, oh, Lord, it might even be worse for for that brother or that sister. You just never know. But you know what? When God looks at you, you, because you put your faith in Jesus Christ, he sees no sin. No sin. No sin. Why? Because he died. And you put your faith in Jesus Christ. You're covered with the righteousness of Christ. We are perfect in position. And that's just an awesome thing to think. So, you know, thank God for the cross. And you're looking at this whole thing and you're like, okay, well, how does it all fit together? Well, I think that the the last thing I'll mention right here before before we close is I I, I I you know Jesus in the in the Garden of Gethsemane. You guys remember when he was sweating drops of blood, hematidrosis. The blood's coming through his sweat capillaries, I and mean, he's just praying like crazy and crazy. He's having this battle. He's praying, "Father, if it's your will, let this cup pass from me." But remember what he said: "Nevertheless, not my will, but Thy will." Be done. When was the last time you prayed that? When was the last time you prayed that? Where there is a cross in front of you. Because that's the first thing. Maybe you're not even there yet. Maybe you're here tonight and you don't even know about the cross that God has called you to. What's your cross? But, but if you do know about it, this is, this is what God's calling you to do. Oh, no, anything but that. Yes, that. Then you're praying, not my will, but thy will be done. And as you're there, you know, we're following him. What I'm thinking is everything we talked about, loving your neighbor as Christ has loved you. You're taking that $50,000 ointment or whatever. Your dreams of the future, and for her, it was getting married. And I know, you guys, I understand single people. I know you want to get married. I'm not trying to get in the way of that. I pray God will bless you in getting married. But is that your God? Or is God first? Because she surrendered. She laid it all down. And it's interesting because a lot of people would tell you as she anointed the body... It was also kind of symbolic, not to get weird too much, but it was symbolic of serving the body of Christ. That's what we do in church. I mean, that's what happens when you follow the Lord. And then here you have us coming to this place where Jesus' purpose was to die. And as he's saying it there, this is my purpose. It's like the very next syllable is, it's yours too manny i'm with you guys i'm with you i am not exempt from this i'm having a hard time staying on the cross pray for me but let's do this together this is a song i'll close with it's a song by hillary scott and i i was listening to it today and it just came on a couple of times and i was like lord I, i feel like i sense like this is kind of what you're trying to tell me Because I know not only is it something that you guys are are called to do like in the future, but, uh, man, I think of some of the trials that some of the people are in in the present, like right here, right now, and it's not easy. And that's what this song talks about. She says this, I'm so confused. I know I hear you loud and clear. So I followed through but somehow i ended up here i don't want to think i may never understand that my broken heart is part of your plan when i try to pray all i've got is hurt and these four words thy will be done thy will be done and now is the victory There in the Garden of Gethsemane, as far as I'm concerned, that was where the battle was won. Where? On your knees. On your knees. It won't happen there in the middle of the moment, and it won't even happen here. It's up to you what you do with it now. As God calls you to a cross, and you're willing to go forward, and you're battling, Lord, no, Lord, yes, you come to those four words because we're living in the last of the last days, you guys, and I have to tell you, you know, being in, I was watching the news, what's going on in Israel and all this turmoil. We were just there. We were just there on the Temple Mount not that long ago. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll ask the mosque right there, you know, to the left. It's not the Dome of the Rock, but the one on the side of it. You would never figure that you would have Jewish, you know, enforcement up there, but it's just crazy what's going on. And then you watch the news from a Western perspective, for the most part, it's just it's anti-Israel. They're not telling the people why the soldiers are going in there. All they're saying is the soldiers are going in there. And so all this unrest, and you got you know America meeting with Taiwan and China meeting with Russia and just all the things that are happening. I'm just saying that the church that's living in the last of the last days, that's us. We need to be stronger. We need to be committed. And so I pray, you guys, we would have that heart.